0: I just don't know how much money that really is. When we're talking about now a $49.5 billion budget, and I'm not scoffing if it's going to be any amount of money, but when we're talking about really trying to narrow the gap, how much money is it? And certainly Governor
1: Walz and any of his predecessors, if they were able to bridge these gaps, have the infrastructure investments, by looking at waste and fraud, they would have done it and championed it and campaigned on it, and so... Certainly, as the three of us agree, and I'm sure all of our listeners out there, everyone is for rooting that out of the system. But short of that, this system, in terms of roads and bridges, needs more investment. And this is the way that it probably is going to happen. And you also have this, certainly Senator Gazelka and his GOP colleagues in the Senate have a lot of power in this discussion. But you also have the flip side. If nothing happens, if they're not able to move forward on any kind of package to invest in this this badly needed uh, infrastructure. I think that that could become a political liability as well. So it may be much more dandelions coming up in May than the continual snow we see here in (laughs) February. But uh, I think that they'll probably get there in some capacity.
0: All right, let's go to the uh, federal level, Scott. This is from CNN in the last uh, 20 minutes or so as we're talking right now on Wednesday afternoon. Attorney General Bill Barr is preparing to announce as early as next week the completion of Robert Mueller's Russia investigation with plans for Barr to submit to Congress as soon as he can after summary of Mueller's confidential report. The president was asked about it, and the president said this is totally up to Bill Barr what he's willing to make public. I've heard this analysis the other day, and I want to get both of you to react, Scott, you first, that we have such an enormous divide in this, and my sense is that neither side is going to be completely happy. That if if you're expecting it's just going to be absolute, definitive, overwhelming proof that the president did collude or absolutely definitive proof that he did not, you're not going to see that. But are we just going to have a, a, our divide again about the things the president or his team did or they— the Mueller report believes they probably did or may have done or they've concluded that he did. And so then it's up to uh, a subjective determination. Do you think it's going to be that way or will it be more definitive? And you might even see people on either side of the issue having a different view once this does come out.
2: I I hope it's definitive. Uh, I I don't know if it will be. Uh, probably, if I had to bet today, would would say uh, that we'll still be stuck in our our divide. Uh, people support the president will still will, will will not believe any any evidence that there's collusion, even if it's produced by the Mueller report. And those who oppose him will see uh, guilt. And uh, that's I guess that's what I'd bet on. But. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I mean, this has been a, a, a very long, extensive investigation. We've seen numerous indictments, key people, lots of uh, Mueller's gathered lots of evidence that we know about, but he's gathered a lot of evidence we don't know about mm-hmm. and talked to a lot of people who uh, and we know some of what they said, but we don't know everything that they've said. So, uh, you know... A, remain open to uh, uh, seeing what's there, but uh, boy, we are awfully dug in in this country right now.
0: What do you think, John?
1: Scott's quite right. We are awfully dug in, but you prefaced your question, Chad, by talking about neither side being happy. What should make most Americans happy is if this report is viewed as the closest approximation of the truth that any one man and any one process can get to, and certainly the credentials that Mr. Mueller brings to this and the way that seemingly he and his team have gone about it, particularly by not commenting on it publicly and going by the book, which is, you know, regardless Mm -hmm. of what you think of the president or his policies or his politics, uh, Mr. Mueller has, has not entered that political fray in terms of going on the nightly cable news shows and, you know, talking about the process and, and where it stands at this point. This may be the first and only time during the entire process where we even hear him speak and, and report it. So you know, regardless of where it ends, I think that it's been very, very good for the country that we've had this check and balance on such an open question. And finally, I would add that I think it's not just important but imperative that the report be made public and that the American people be allowed to know what this is all about or what it isn't all about here. And I think what will really upset a lot of people is if a portion or a significant uh, part of it is kept away from the public under some national security reasons. <laughs> I think right now there's so much that's out there that, that they should just let it out there and, and we can discuss it uh, once it's, it's been released.
2: I completely can. I agree on that uh, uh, vehemently because I'm concerned that we are going to have a fair amount of redaction or a fair amount of the report that's not not released. And you know, it obviously, as a journalist, uh, you know, I got to say, we, we really need that. We need all of it, and uh, transparency here uh, is really important. And that's uh, if we don't have it, that's really going to uh, cause cause problems.
0: John let's get to two of the the major stories involving the president which are tied to the Mueller report. Let's start with Andrew McCabe first of all. Andrew McCabe became a punching bag for the president when the president was pointing out endlessly that Andrew McCabe's wife had lost a state race and had received money from Terry McAuliffe, a longtime friend of the Clintons. He forgets about the timing of that race when it was and any role Adam Andrew McCabe had at the time with Hillary Clinton. McCabe when he became the acting head of the FBI after James Comey uh, was fired by the president and the president said that was all on him and he thought the Russia thing would be done. He's on record saying it was because of the Russia thing. McCabe writes about the conversations he had, he's talked about the conversations he had with Rod Rosenstein about potentially wearing a wire concerns about what the president was saying, concerns about whether he was an agent of Russia and what should be done. McCabe eventually was fired just uh, less, about a day and a half before he was about to get his pension. He also has come out in interviews, talked about when he went to the Gang of Eight. These are prominent people within the Senate and the House. The leaders and people in the Intelligence Committee went to them and said, that we are so concerned about this information about the president that we are conducting, conducting investigation. I mean, this is with Mitch McConnell. This is with Paul Ryan. This is with Devin Nunez. These are Republicans. And he says, Gordon McCabe, that there was no pushback from any of those Republicans. By the way, as we talk now, there is silence from all those Republicans. Nobody's come out and said what Andrew McCabe said to me is not correct. I think all of that um, is very powerful. I saw him last night as he continues his media tour. And I want both of you guys to react on all this. The one thing where I was bothered by McCabe is McCabe said with Anderson Cooper that in his opinion there's no doubt he was fired and that the inspector general report, which said he wasn't telling the truth about when he was a part of a process of leaking information about Hillary Clinton, that he thinks no doubt the inspector general was influenced by the Trump administration. That's an Obama appointee. And I saw a number of FBI people on the different networks who said – I'm a big backer, Ann McCabe, but that inspector general in no way would have been influenced by the Trump administration or the president in particular. So, John, you first, then you, Scott, how do you take in everything about McCabe in this very busy week or so since all this came to light?
1: You put it in context of the conversation we were just having about the imperative of the Mueller report and the Mueller process in terms of fact-finding, in terms of multiple points of testimony— as opposed to one individual who may have a tremendous amount of veracity and a long and distinguished career at the FBI, but it comes down to what he is saying versus what some of the other people involved in the story are, are saying at, at this point. Who to believe often gets colored in terms of you know how, what how you see the president, the investigation in this political era. So I think you also have the component of the differences between what Andrew McCabe and Rod Rosenstein are saying, in terms of you know uh, wearing a wire, as you say, that had been previously been reported by the New York Times and had been dismissed as a, a joke. Yeah, um, he was that that he just threw you know tossed it uh, aside it at that point, and then talk on an extraordinary level of invoking the Twenty Fifth Amendment, mm-hmm. of the county right votes, absolutely, and try and try and remove the president at, at that point. So I think that what it points to is this incredibly volatile political era and the need to have as close approximation of the truth as possible in the Mueller
2: report.
0: What do you think, Scott?
2: Well, I, you know, I think that you're hearing and seeing uh, Trump and, and Trump allies using everything that's come from McCabe, uh, specifically the wire and, and the uh, discussion of the uh, 25th Amendment, to prove their, their story, their narrative, that there's, there's a deep state coup Or there was at least a deep state coup uh, uh, underway, and so you know they're kind of they're going on the offensive, using it to some extent and uh, pretty effective um, for for certainly for those who are uh, inclined to support the president.
0: Let's switch now to the Times report, which came out about twenty four hours ago at this time about the role of the president himself in trying to affect Inquiry, Scott. And their lead part was about with the Cohen investigation and the hush money payments for Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. And then when the Southern District was involved, that reaching out to Jeffrey Berman, who had recused himself, was running the Southern District but is a friend of Rudy Giuliani's, had been a Trump supporter, and because of that, he stepped away. And the Times is reporting that this is an example. It's not just this one, but this is another example. Where the president stepped in when he went to then-acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker and said, hey, can we get Berman back involved? Can Berman be in charge of this? And I've watched a lot of interesting conversations about this the last couple of days where is this the president being naive? Is this the president thinking as he was as a New York City real estate guy, where let's just get our people in, or is this the president flat out uh, demonstrating obstruction of justice? When you read that story yesterday and you look at all the things that the president has been accused of, and a lot of it, I believe, from credible reporting, let me say 100 percent, okay? How did you take this one in?
2: Well, I thought that was definitely the most significant piece of the of the Times' uh, long story, and I, you know, to some extent, took it as the president testing Matthew Whitaker, seeing what he had there, whether he could uh, uh, get him to do his bidding for him. I don't know what to make exactly of the fact that he didn't seem to understand that Berman had already recused himself from the investigation. Yep. Uh, whether that was uh, his just lack of understanding or if he thought somehow that he could get him to unrecuse himself, I don't know. But the power of that story uh, really was in the bigger overall picture of how Trump and his administration have waged both a public relations and a legal campaign to discredit Mueller, uh, to um, explain the Flynn resignation as a, as a firing, uh, to... Um, uh, you know, go after all the investigations as part of uh, uh, labeling them as a, as a deep state effort. And I, I thought it was a really interesting line in the story where the Times said that Trump's attempts to defang the investigations uh, have been covered in the news media so much that many Americans have lost track of how unusual his behavior is.
0: Yep, you're right.
2: And I mean, that's, uh, you know, I think that's true. Uh, there's so much here. And there's so much constantly coming at us that uh, it is, it's hard to see that bigger picture, that this is not, this is not usual, this is not typical.
0: Well, John, on just picking up on Scott's excellent point. I mean, we could, we could one time just spin the calendar and pick a week from 17 or 18 and be reminded for three days that was the biggest controversy. And then we pick another month and it was that these are happening all of the time. If any of these things would happen under most typical presidency, they would dominate the news for three months. And in this case, it happens and then you know something else two days later is gonna arise to the point where you're like, really? You know, so on this in this Times report, jump in.
1: Well, it brings up the proverbial frog in the pan theory. And of course we all know this in terms of you know the the long held thought that, you know, if you throw a frog into a, a pot of boiling water, he's gonna leap out. If you put him in there and slowly heat it up stays in and and i think the american public here is so used to the news churn and to this extraordinary era and to the clear attempts at obfuscation or politicization of this entire story by multiple sides here that they have become used to it which i believe is to some degree part of the strategy and that you know it's hard to take apart one single thing if you would have told the american public before this presidency began all of these events are going to take place, yep. they would have thought long and hard about the, how they were going to to vote and, and how they were going to react if indeed President Trump did win the election. And so I think that, that, uh, that I concur with Scott, that was the key takeaway in the story. And I think that Congress will have a whole lot to consider if and when they continue to look into this, including Mr. Whitaker himself, yep. according to the story, might be brought back before Congress because he had... Claim that there were no attempts at at any kind of interference from the President of the United States, and this story would suggest otherwise.
0: We'll end it right there. Scott, stay safe at home. Uh, Stay safe at home, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Jeff. Scott Gillespie and John Rash, you also be safe. You you made the treacherous walk. (laughs) Uh, luckily, we're only about a block. Well, not even a block apart. We're actually connected. So always appreciate it, John. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Thank you. John Rash and Scott Gillespie, the Star Tribune editorial board. You can always check this out, or if you listen live to a podcast, you may have listened to it on WCCORadio.com, or you've listened to it on StarTribune.com, and we'll bring the same crew together once again next Wednesday right around 35